welcome to Transition, Gadget 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about a lot of things gaming, which includes Xbox Game Pass, Sea of Thieves Beta, Rainbow Six Siege, Xbox One X, India Initial Response, and finally, the games we've been playing this week, which includes some rather high-profile titles. And to talk about this, we have our games editor, Rishi Alwani. Hey, what's up? Friend of the podcast, Mikhail Mandani. Okay. Cool. And I'm your host, Pranay Parab. So, first of all, we'll start by talking about this Xbox Game Pass, which apparently is the Netflix of games. Yeah, so Xbox Game Pass is something Microsoft launched uh, last year. What it essentially does is for a monthly fee, you get access to over 100 plus games on your Xbox One. Uh, And a lot of these games, much like Netflix, will leave the service after a stipulated period of time. Now, uh, it's in the news all over again because Microsoft made an announcement that uh, all first-party titles going forward, which means like the next Gears of War, the next Halo, uh, and even Sea of Thieves, which is coming out in March, will all be available on Game Pass from day one. Now, this is an interesting point of concern because it basically means that Microsoft's cutting out retail. Uh, Reports have suggested from sites like Games Industry that, uh, I mean, the Xbox One is as is trailing the PS4 5 is to 1 in terms of sales in Europe, uh, UK in particular, and that a lot of indie developer, in sorry, not indie developers, in independent uh, game stores have, uh, are going to stop stocking uh, Xbox One games or even stock Xbox One hardware because of Game Pass. Because now the situation is such where uh, with Game Pass, why should retailers come in and pay $60 for a game or, or, the, G, or the GBP equivalent? when uh, they can spend $10 or the GBP equivalent a month on uh, Game Pass and get all their games there. Yeah, and also first-party titles are going to come there first or something, right? No, it's no. going to be like when, when the title releases, like I think Sea of Thieves is releasing on March 20th or 23rd. 20th. It's going to be there day one. So people who have Game Pass don't need to spend $60 or like rent a game from like one of those rental services or anything. If you have Game Pass, you get to play Sea of Thieves for free. Not really. Uh, there's the other part to it because a game, particularly like Sea of Thieves, depends on multiplayer, which means you'll need to pay for Game Pass plus you'll need to pay for Xbox Live. No, that, so that goes without saying. But if there's part like, of it. Like if Halo 6, like when Halo 6 comes out, the campaign, essentially you can play it for free through Game Pass if you have that. And given how cheap Game Pass is, most people, at least I know, are just like, you know, they'll just get the trial at the time. And in a lot of cases, they've been bundling Game Pass with the console in many regions. So you essentially just get your console and like three months, like kind of like how when you buy a smart TV or one of those set-top boxes, you get Netflix or Amazon Prime included. It's going to become like that for Microsoft going forward. Yeah, so now this is a very amusing situation because it, I mean, it can be looked at in two ways. There are some who claim that this could be the future of gaming. Uh, and there are others like myself who think this is a basically sign of desperation. Because if you look at Microsoft overall, uh, they don't have any big exclusives coming up for the Xbox One. They don't have any titles which justify purchasing the console just yet. I mean, sure, uh, I mean, you can argue that Sea of Thieves could be one of them. But then, I mean, given how the beta is, it could go either way on, on that game in particular. So, I mean... For, so if you look, at least for where I see it coming from, it just seems like a move to add value because if you can't add games, you try adding some perceived value. The problem with this though is uh, for one, you're cutting out retail, which means that uh, at the end of the day, you're, you're cutting out physical games as well, which I think is a big uh, mistake in my opinion. But then that's been the problem with the Xbox One from 2013. So I think it's just them doing that. And secondly is uh, 
the other problem which I, I foresee them having is that you're going to have a lot of people who think, oh, I can spend $10 and get everything. Uh, but uh, I, I, when they end up wanting to play multiplayer, that's when they'll realize they'll have to keep paying. It's not going to bring costs down in the long term. It's just going to ensure that people are hooked on a Microsoft on the long term and hooked on the Xbox. Because at the, the other thing which this doesn't take into account is most Xbox games, at least 50 gigs of download. The average Xbox comes with 500 gigs of hard drive space. How do you think this is going to work out? How do you think this is going to plan out for people's FUP? Particularly in Microsoft's biggest markets like the US and UK where, you know, data caps are uh, pretty strict these days and, you know, net neutrality is pretty much dead in the US. So it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. To me, it seems like a sign of desperation. It seems like, okay, we don't have games. So here's the next best thing we can do until we can get games. Or, you know, until the rumored... uh, fact that until the rumor pans out that you know microsoft eventually buys ea in fact that rumor has been doing the rounds for 10 years plus now so yeah that, that's how i think it's gonna pan out mm. okay so uh, is there anything else you want to talk about in this xbox game pass thing i just think it's uh it's interesting for a lot of people who are thinking of picking up an xbox because now if you actually buy an xbox and you get xbox live gold that's one subscription you get ea access which is really good value if you like those games that's your second subscription and now there's Game Pass, which is the third thing. So essentially, I'd say you can pay like $30 a, a month, essentially, given how when you subscribe and stuff and you get access to a ton of games, which are temporarily yours, basically. Yeah. Because uh, earlier, at least on the Xbox 360, uh, when you needed to pay for gold for multiplayer, at least on PS3 at that time when Sony wasn't quote-unquote arrogant, you didn't have to pay to play online. Microsoft used to let you keep the games on the 360, even if you like let your subscription lapse now. On Xbox One, whatever games you get for free with that asterisk which says conditions apply, you only can play them while you have a valid subscription. So it's interesting looking at it because the console price has been coming down. Like you can get an Xbox One S for as low as $170 in a lot of places in the US and in India. We've seen it between like 15 and 18,000 rupees for an Xbox One S. So uh, you're looking at a very low like initial purchase, but then you have a high ongoing subscription if you want to buy into Microsoft's new future ecosystem which they are building because uh, in a lot of cases they don't even care about physical anymore we've seen that for a while like uh, uh, I mean there have been interviews on Gadgets 360 where uh, like companies like Limited Run Games have spoken about Xbox One and how the minimum order for physical is really high and uh, some people have unconfirmed and they've said that I mean they've confirmed and we don't have it on record from a lot of places but there have been hints towards it being upwards of 75,000 or 100,000, which is the minimum quantity for physical manufacturing on Xbox One. Now, if you compare that to what's happening on Sony's side, on the Vita and PS4, the, like we've seen games get as low as 1,000 unit runs. So that's much better for smaller retailers and for smaller uh, physical game manufacturers. Uh, like Microsoft pulled this with Cuphead as well. Cuphead was like arguably one of the best games of last year and 2017 was one of the best years for gaming in a long time and microsoft didn't bother putting out a physical release of that in fact they just did a code in box release which was exclusive to one retailer in the us for player unknowns battlegrounds okay granted this is an online and multiplayer and service focused game if you may uh they didn't even put it in a case you literally had a cardboard box which looked like an xbox one game case which had a code inside again now, that's one way to like keep retailers happy, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's not good. Like They're obviously moving away from physical. Ever since they had the Xbox One reveal, we've kind of guessed that's where they are going to the future. Yeah, but the other thing with all of this is, uh, and which is really amusing, is because everyone claims that this is going to end up like music, this is going to end up like movies, it's all going to move subscription-based. 
uh yeah but here's the other thing uh, those forms of content don't require user interaction they're more or less passive forms of content and i think that's going to make a difference and the other thing is and uh in my and this is something which is or should be a point of amusement is uh this isn't the first time someone's tried a game subscription service uh one of the first attempts was actually in india uh which uh, disclaimer i worked on uh called games on demand which is run by india games where essentially you paid i think 300 rupees a month and you got access to a bunch of pc games through your isp uh and we're talking about decent titles like the original dsx and uh you know cricket games like brian lara and stuff like that and even over there the adoption rate while decent for the time uh was tough to renegotiate with publishers because each time you'd go back to publishers saying that hey you know uh can you keep having your games on the service they'd say no we won't because you're devaluing content at the end of the day and uh, that's going to be an interesting point of concern because the way i see it uh what we possibly don't know is the reason why microsoft's probably gone uh and allowed their first party titles to be day one and one on game pass and this is a possibility and this is on this is something i i talk from experience is that other publishers may a either be looking at their own subscription plans which is why they may not support game pass or they might just be pulling support from game pass in terms of content that might be seen as triple a hot or happening so uh we don't know just yet and right now there's just one announcement and obviously there are going to be a bunch of reactions to it saying that uh you know they're killing retail which frankly i would rather would i would, it was just something i'd buy into but at the same time uh, i also won't be surprised if this is a way to ensure that uh, they have something to show because someone's pulling out because from a publisher standpoint they value the price of content we've seen them trying to nickel and dime everything out of consumers in the past we've seen them trying to do situations where you know microtransactions season pass online pass dlc uh, everything to to ensure people pay more than at $60 to the point where $60 just gets you entry to a game and not the full game so i won't be surprised to see either publishers try their own service or at least withdraw support or not give the best games possible on game pass because uh, they probably still see more money in $60 purchases so we still don't know how that's going to pan out but then i well, that's but at least that's something i can say from experience that the negotiations on the back end for deals like this are usually complicated and it, uh, usually involve a lot of haggling that make uh, your usual vegetable market run and negotiating with your vendors at a vegetable market a lot easier yeah so what is the india price expected to be for game pass it's around 699 i think or in that range for the month and it, it basically around the price of a netflix single uh, single sub uh which is i mean okay but then the problem i see at the end of it is uh would you i mean is essentially the same issues you we've always had here where storage and bandwidth is still a concern i mean sure microsoft india have said to us on record that they're seeing digital adoption looking very good but they weren't willing to provide specifics they weren't even willing to say how good it was versus 2014 when the xbox one launched to now and what it is with the xbox one x all they're saying is that the adoption rates are unparalleled and it looks like logarithmic curve So one thing quote unquote one thing i want to say about how people keep comparing it to like spotify and netflix over there the bandwidth requirement is much lower versus what we're seeing in games especially microsoft games and secondly on both netflix and spotify you can choose the quality you want to stream at so if you have a internet cap which is very low you can choose to stream it in lower you can't do anything for gaming hey but then if you have an xbox one you already on low quality oh snap is that going to be the title of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, jokes aside uh that is a valid point that's a very valid point mike because the way i see it especially in countries like india unless you have the option to play at potato quality 
it's not it's going to be a concern because you can't like download on demand that suppose you want to play like okay i want to try halo 5 and i don't want to waste 96 gb on like halo 5 i want to just try it there's no way to do that i mean even if there is a demo for most of the triple a games you're essentially downloading the whole game exactly so like uh, i don't like i don't see how it's really compared to netflix and spotify until we have like better bandwidth over here this is not going to reach netflix and spotify levels of, i mean obviously like given that it's on xbox one and that market is really small in india for xbox one i don't know like just this whole bandwidth thing is a very big problem because uh, very like which game allows you to like download uh, obviously now you can like on the xbox one s you have the option to download the x enhanced stuff separately and you don't need to download that on the one s but games are already massive on the one s so yeah like just imagine if they had forza 7 to game pass okay that's like 90 gb minimum over there without any of the dlc that's yeah. probably more than what most people consume in 6 months on netflix exactly and that's in hd exactly and the other part of it is that uh i mean microsoft hasn't allowed for split downloads uh which basically means that at least when you download a certain portion you can start playing it or rather when you download a certain section you can start playing it like they they have but it's it's not as exactly. it's not it like very few developers implemented well so exactly. you'd essentially still have to download about say if the game is 30 gb or for download about 10 gb and then you get to try like a random part of the game not the opening section exactly. how it should be so i mean yeah it's an it's an odd state of affairs i think it's To me this looks like a situation where they're trying to play up the engagement metrics they're trying to play up the fact that people spend more time on Xbox one and get invested in the ecosystem and while I don't blame them for trying this and who knows this could just be a way to usher us into a post console world uh the merits to this are still yet to be dis- uh, deciphered because the other part is uh, for those of you who are on PC and wondering what that uh, w- weird wild world of windows store is all about uh game pass works with play xbox play anywhere games which means that if you have a windows pc uh windows 10 pc to be specific not windows 7 so that to guys. create a update only etc etc other disclaimers along yeah. with it yeah so point is you, you'll be able to play stuff like gears of war 4 you'll be able to play stuff like forza horizon 3 Uh, if it's if it's on Game Pass and if it's a part of the Play Anywhere program, you can play those on your PC. But again, uh, you're still you're still in a situation where there's still limited appeal, right? There's no way close to where it's supposed to be. And also, important disclaimer here is that for PC people, it's not that much value for money because stores like Steam have such great pricing anyway. Oh yes, that's the other part because yeah. uh, granted, Steam's pricing over the years has crept up, but it's still better value for a ton of reasons. One, the user experience is so much better. to uh you actually uh, i mean you actually have a community that's there and most importantly even if you don't want to pay you can still there are still things for you to play man i mean you you can still play dota you can still play counter strike which is dot cheap uh other and there are frequent and routine discounts to the point where you never have you're never short of anything to check out even at an at a at a no price point and the best part is uh, is that yeah cash out delivery is still an option Yeah, so I just uh, did some quick mental math, yeah. and it's easy to figure out that if you're buying maybe like three games a a year at full price on the Xbox One, mm. then the Game Pass probably is you know worth the subscription price. Yeah, but then for most people, I don't think that would be the case because uh, like they'd probably pick up one game or two games at best in a year, which are like worth it. Because first of all, Xbox is not like PS4, right? Where there is a glut of titles to pick up, and secondly. Uh, If you're into the first-party ecosystem, then cool. But I really don't see other publishers playing ball on this e- eventually. 
because ultimately you know i don't see what they are gaining from this they they do all the hard work they make all the games so at whatever their 3000 4000 rupee price points they're recovering the cost and making a profit right with with a service like game pass i don't think that's going to be the case so that's the thing the way i see it panning out is i see game pass working more for titles with a smaller download cap more for titles that aren't the most recent in the bunch and uh, more for titles where uh, you've already recouped cost uh, your cost of investment and okay fine this is just a new uh, revenue stream for games that you aren't putting out on physical or you aren't putting out anywhere else just yet i mean or after it's been done done and dusted plus the other thing is even if you're looking to pick up more than 3 4 games in the year uh, this uh, at the end of the day there's also resale to look into there's also the fact that you people will keep trading games in and i mean if you look at that this generation uh there is no culture or ecosystem or even presence of that on Xbox one versus what we're seeing on PS4 and even to the point versus what we're seeing is still on PS3 so that's another point of concern where you know i mean if you're on the Xbox one you're either already digital anyway or you're the sort who's like me who you know uh, will uh, wait for a deal on Amazon and pick up physical product then but uh regardless how you cut it uh, to me this just seems like a way for microsoft to get more engagement on the platform to get more people onto xbox uh whether it pans out or not remains to be seen but again keep in mind uh to me this seems like a a, a hail mary kind of move because there are no exclusives for the console i mean there there's one rumored fable game coming out they name dropped a new gears of war and name dropped a new halo when they made this announcement but we haven't seen anything else we haven't heard of anything concrete So I mean let's be honest today if you're buying an Xbox one or an Xbox one S or an Xbox one X you're essentially buying it for uh older titles you're essentially buying it because it looks a little better than the PS4 or PS4 Pro it might work but again the, the big problem is bandwidth because like Netflix to watch like five seasons of something in a month is going to be less than one Halo Five and exactly. games also right. Xbox One is not exactly a no, hub of all new releases. I know releases. that. Like so. in fact, I still think EA Access is the best subscription available on Xbox One because you just get to try every game for ten hours and then you get a discount to buy yeah, it. Exactly. And they add stuff in the vault, and they don't remove stuff. the The important thing with Game Pass is stuff leaves the vault and leaves. Exactly and that's because you have publisher control at the end of the day and let's be honest Microsoft hasn't been that great with its own first party IP for those of you who are unaware uh Forza Horizon 1 was being removed because of licensing issues mm. Alan Wake removed because of licensing issues yeah right? there was some soundtrack expiry exactly, right exactly yeah. and to be honest those are great games I, personally I mean Alan Wake's a game I always revisit because it's that hauntingly good so uh yeah that's that's something people have to keep in mind which is why uh i i wouldn't be surprised to see publishers either ramping up for their own sub- subscription services or looking at other options to monetize o- until band- the bandwidth works itself out because mike mike raises a very valid point at the end of the day uh what's the point of downloading halo 5 when uh that essentially works out to what i mean the your entire netflix usage for the year so we're not there yet we're going to get there but we're not there yet so yeah game pass in a nutshell And yeah like uh, it being on Windows and on Xbox one and for titles like you know the titles which people don't expect to do that well like at this stage all of Crackdown 3 showings have been pretty poor like a lot of people including myself and you are probably still going to get it day one to just check it out but uh, this will essentially mean everyone who has Game Pass will have like Crackdown 3 show up and you're ready to install list or something like that and suddenly it'll be like oh we have like 8 million people or uh, checking out crackdown 3 they want to obviously say 8 million sales but 8 million people 
played Crackdown 3 and the Windows Store version of Crackdown 3 was successful because everyone who has a Windows 10 store account also with Game Pass has Crackdown 3. So this is kind of what they're going to go into. Yeah, and then and then we're probably going to see this pan out where they, you know, get into disputes with GFK and, and, and NPD and Superdata and they're all like, hey, we're not showing up on the physical charts, we're not showing up on any other charts. But look at our own numbers. Our numbers are good. Yeah, because you're in control of that ecosystem and there's no transparency. So yeah. It will, whatever, we're going to have to obviously revisit this and see how Game Pass has panned out six months from now when there's like, after Sea of Thieves and maybe one or two more Microsoft first party titles launch. Oh, Scalebound (laughs) on Game Pass, day one. More like game fail for Scalebound. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so since you mentioned it, uh, Rishi, you played the Sea of Thieves beta. Mike, have you? Yeah, I played it for a bit and... uh, it looks really cool, at least on the Xbox One S, it runs really well. The sound design is really good, played with headphones. But as a as apparently a closed beta, it doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't even tell you the controls. You have to like walk up to things and suddenly prompts appear. Like I tried two I tried once in a session with crew of random people and one solo. It didn't really tell me anything. I kind of expected at least, you know, like a, a pop-up which tells you here's what the controls are, here's what you have to do. Nothing. Just like I couldn't figure out what to do in the first session when I was in the second session I saw people doing stuff so I just followed them and uh, it was a little interesting but I honestly I'm very cautious about it right now need to they need to like you know properly tell you what you're supposed to do in another beta because right now I'm just I don't know what to do so yeah yeah I mean uh I echo the similar sentiments that yeah it's uh I mean if anyone from Rare is listening which is kind of rare for that to happen which sadist have you put in charge of this? Because, like, there is literally... It's like you're walking in blindfolded. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. There is no signposting. There's no tutorials. There's no basic notifications or anything. It's like, hey, here's this beautiful, gorgeous, amazing-looking, semi-mythical, cartoony pirate world with, um, with, with dotted with islands, dotted with, with creatures like Kraken and uh, skeleton pirates. And here's a ship. And uh, just do whatever. I mean... I get the appeal of that, but that appeal kind of expired back in the late 80s when, you know, there were constraints to prevent decent tutorials and where manuals existed for a reason. But to me, this is like, that was the most disappointing part, figuring out what to do and how to go about it. Uh, So what I, I mean, while Mike played two games, I played a few more, a lot more sessions. Uh, I ended up playing solo for most part. The moment I figured out how to steer my ship, and how to get from point from one island to the next, the game be, became a lot more enjoyable. But again, to learn that, to learn how to get your ship up and running is a bit of a has a bit of a learning curve. You have to manage how sails work. You have to manage the angle at which you you put the sail. How to raise and how to raise and lower the anchor, uh, and how to steer, and all that's important. Uh, and which is why like the game wants you to play with uh, with your friends first, so that's less of a load to worry about. But fact of the matter is, I mean, let's be honest here. How many people have friends on Xbox? <laughs> so, I mean, I went in solo and it was um, enjoyable. Once I got the hang of that, it was super enjoyable. The combat, well, was a bit of a trial and error. I When I, when I, when I, uh, when I encountered enemy players, sorry, when I co- encountered uh, other players and when I encountered skeleton pirates, it was a bit of a, you know, dance of death situation where... You want to wait before you pull the trigger because it's one shot, one kill type situation. And at the same time, you don't want the recoil to like push you back too much because the next shot will take it'll take forever to reload and do it. So it, it had that nice tense feel to it, which is quite cool. Uh, 
and the exploration element works out really nicely in the sense that uh, when you discover something, it really feels nice. It really feels rewarding, even if it's just finding this random island in the middle of nowhere, because, you know, uh, the game reciprocates your discovery with, you know, uh, either hordes of undead or, uh, or, or, ca or cannonballs flying in your direction. So that reactiveness is really cool. But uh, yeah, signposting and tutorials are a big issue. And I can see this being a problem for a lot of people. Uh, particularly because, let's be honest, this is Microsoft's big exclusive for the quarter. They don't have anything else coming out just yet. They're going to put a lot of effort and visibility into ensuring people check this out. If the full game doesn't tell people what to do or how to go about it, it's going to be a problem. Now, luckily, the developers said that there's going to be a proper quest. There's going to be a proper, I mean, kind of story, if you will. So, I mean, to me, that's actually a good thing. That actually ensures that people have a reason to get in at first. Uh... The other thing which is also of interest is that the world map for this game is pretty expansive. A lot of it is visiting uh, is visiting islands and, you know, checking out the flora and fauna and, you know, doing stuff around that. Now, what's interesting in this is uh, this the way it's set up reminds me of another game uh, called No Man's Sky minus the procedural generation. So, I mean, it'll be fun to see whether Sea of Thieves ends up being as diverse and vast as Microsoft wants it to be or ends up being, well, as wide and shallow as, as No Man's Sky. I'm counting on the former simply because Rare have a legacy of knowing how to do stuff well. And they've done, and to me, Rare Replay was really good. The work they've done on Kinect, at least the UI and interface has been really good. Their past games like GoldenEye are legendary. And yeah, granted, they don't have the same team working there, but I'd like to believe they'd be up to standard for this. So, yeah. But yeah, there, there's one thing to note that given uh, Microsoft's past history with studios, if this flops, I think it's the end for Rare. Yeah, more or less, I do agree there with that completely. Because uh, we saw what happened with Lionhead, uh, where they, they couldn't deliver on Fable Legends. And they basically killed the studio, which is tragic because when I when I played Fable Legends in its be, in its many closed betas and at Gamescom, it actually was in a pretty good state. And in fact, if they shipped it at that time and worked on it as a games of a service, it actually could have been in a very good state today. But hey, who am I to say I'm not Microsoft? But point is, uh, yeah, it would probably mean the end of Rare if this bombs. Uh, I hope it doesn't mean that because uh, at least it's shaping up to be a fun game minus the tutorializing. So... Who knows? But then at the same time, there are rumors afoot that, you know, Microsoft saw uh, how well Horizon Zero Dawn did and realized, hey, we should have a single player open world RPG. Again, rumors state that uh, Playground Games is working on it, the makers of Forza Horizon. So who knows? We might see something come off it. But yeah, like Forza Horizon 4, which apparently is set in Japan, got rated and uh, for this year. So we'll hopefully hear something around E3. So yeah, for, so that'd be really cool. You That's can, the, like... That's another reason to keep your Xbox One around because like the Forza Horizon 3 uh, ran notoriously bad on PC and was super demanding. But uh, on similar spec PC, you got nowhere near the performance you did on the Xbox One. So yeah, looking forward to Forza Horizon 4. Hopefully it doesn't end up being a microtransaction filled nonsense hole like Forza 7 was. Yeah, let's hope so because Forza Horizon 3 was amazing. Yeah, Forza Horizon is sacred. We, yeah. That's like one of the franchises Microsoft should stay away from. Exactly. Sacred, I mean. Really now? Yes. Really now? Sacred? Yes. You're talking to a Halo fan here. We, there is no, there's nothing sacred there anymore. There are still Halo fans. Like, <laughs> yeah, there is, there is nothing sacred anymore. <laughs> I wouldn't believe anything is sacred until until 343 actually fixes Master Chief Collection. I'm still waiting for that. 
four years on. Hey, so, but they yeah. released uh, Halo Wars 2, right? That's your new favorite Halo game, I heard. Uh, no, it's still Halo 5. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I actually liked Halo 5 story. Don't at me in the comments. Cool. Finally, uh, I think one more Microsoft thing to go. Rishi, why don't you talk about this Xbox One X? Uh, oh, I thought we were going to talk about the Sea of Thieves controller, which, which is the best-looking custom controller this gen. Yes. yes. Well. So, yeah, uh, long story short, last week there was an event uh, in Delhi for which Microsoft India held to launch the Xbox One X. Uh, we managed to get a lot of FaceTime with uh, the head of Xbox, Priyadashi Mohapatra. And we, you can check out the full interview on Gadgets360.com. But uh, short notes on all of this is, uh, for starters, they're seeing a lot of adoption on digital. So expect them to push more in that direction. Uh, they admit that, uh, you know, their idea of going with, you know, just online retail was flawed. And that they're going to be where the fans want them to be. Uh so yeah, expect expect them to be at at physical retail in a larger in a larger fashion. In addition to that, what they did mention, which is really amusing, was that uh, everyone every tech uh, leader's uh, favorite buzzword, Reliance Geo, uh, is responsible for bandwidth adoption being higher. Uh, 4K panels, according to their retail channels, have seen a larger sale, uh, and which is no surprise given how low panels from TCL and Micromax have been going for with 4K HDR. This is this comes as no surprise to me, but uh, it's good to see that Microsoft's aware of that. So, w- long story short, we might see a more aggressive Microsoft this year. They're committing to be more visible. They're committing to do right by its fans, uh, and they realize that they need a cost correction. Back in 2014, for those of you who are unaware, when Microsoft launched in India, launched the Xbox One in India, uh, they had an online only strategy, which meant you could buy the console only from Amazon, and they spun it as. A console for digital natives, people who live their lives online. Yeah, cool story, bro. In India, people still buy offline. Welcome. So uh, expect more more from them offline. Expect more from them to push Game Pass. That's something that did come up in conversation. Uh, they, they are aware that uh, while they are pushing out trials for Game Pass with every piece of hardware, uh, that the, um, the visibility isn't there to the degree they want it yet. So they're going to do more around it. They believe it's, a, it's an important tool to pick up and unlock value. Backwards compatibility has been a big deal for them in India too. Uh, they see that, again, adding more value to users. For them, it's again like like they're doing it globally. Uh, they're, they're focusing more on engagement than anything else. And uh, I mean, at least the way I see it, Microsoft views the Indian gamer to be on par with its global counterparts, which is really nice to see, at least the way that they're talking about it. Of course, they're going to say that only. It's not like they're going to say, exactly. no, no, Indian gamers are not on the same level. Exactly. But then, yeah. see, it, again, if you compare it to Sony's strategy in the past, Sony had a very differentiated strategy for India. We had situations where we got games like uh, Ravan and uh, Hanuman Boy Warrior and entrance exam quiz for PS2. They actually, tre- it, so that's what they felt Indians wanted to play. And it, and it worked for them. They made money on those titles. All of them were profitable. So uh, it's interesting to see that one company actually believes, yeah, we're on par. But what's also of interest is that they're saying that uh, every collector's edition and every limited edition hardware, piece of hardware, be it accessories or consoles, will come to India, which is uh, rare. It's not something you'd expect, given that, you know, the business isn't as good compared to Sony. The sales isn't as good compared to Sony. Meanwhile, on Sony's side, uh, we don't even have the PS4 Pro in, in decent quantities. We don't get limited edition consoles at all. Or games. Or games for that matter. I mean, let's be honest. Uncharted 4 is probably the biggest selling game outside of FIFA in this country right now. Uh, and we have not got a collector's edition. 
So yeah, at least it's nice to see yeah, that. It's a smart move because limited edition anyway. Like there will be hardcore Xbox fans even in India. So even if they bring in yeah. like small no, quantities, it, it'll sell out. Eventually. It's smart on that side because yeah. like just get it. Like get a small quantity when you get the other stock. I mean, you have uh, you have uh, distributors like Express Interactive bring limited editions for super small titles. Like Monster Hunter World got a steelbook edition on Xbox One, but Uncharted Four didn't get a steelbook edition on PS4 in India. That's how the industry is over here. Yeah. So. I mean, it's uh, it's good to see that they're at least forward focused on this. They realize that uh, they have to take, uh, you know, they have, they have their work cut out for them. But interesting responses to the Xbox One X, though, at least according to multiple retailers I've spoken to in the last uh, a few days. A lot of them have essentially sold out of their initial quantity of the Xbox One X, which is good to see. Uh, most of them got in high single digits. They weren't willing to confirm exactly how much. But they're like, yeah, initial responses were either it was pre-booked and sold out or it was pre-booked and we don't have so- stock. Uh, for its part, Flipkart has been uh, listing and delisting the console, selling out, I think, I don't know, a couple of units and then putting it back in once they have stock in the warehouse. Uh, Amazon listed and delisted it, delisted the console as well. Right? I mean, at the time of recording this podcast, uh, Amazon didn't have it on uh, uh, up for pre-order just yet. I mean, again, they, they removed the listing essentially. So it seems to be going in and out of stock. There seems to be traction. Um, how it sustains is a point will be a, a point of interest. Because uh, I I would like to believe that uh, Sony's paying attention to all of this and that they would plan to bring in the PS4 Pro soon enough. So, yeah, I mean, right now, they, it's, it's a question of make hay while the sun shines. Because, I mean, if for those of you who probably caught uh, our discussion on uh, PC hardware pricing, which is on our uh, weekly game show, Talk About Games, uh, we talked about uh, how PC pricing has made it prohibitive to buy a uh, to buy any gaming PC. So right now there is an opportunity for iterative consoles and let's see if they manage to seize it. But all in all, it looks to be like a welcome return to form. Hmm. Okay then, so I think uh, it's time to talk about Rainbow Six Siege. No, I want to sleep. No, but we actually have to, sadly. Yeah. Rainbow Six Siege uh, was a shoot was a multiplayer shooter from Ubisoft in 2015, uh, and uh, for those of you wondering why we're discussing it on a podcast in 2018, is because uh, over the last couple of years, Ubisoft has steadily been making improvements to the game, uh, having a yearly season pass, adding new new player characters, adding new modes, adding new weapons, and just making it a more refined version of what it was at launch. Uh, and it's actually paid off to the point where people are paying attention to the game again. People are playing it again. The numbers are actually quite high. Uh, and it's quite popular in India too. There's a hardcore audience of people who play it regularly to the point where uh, the number of uh, diamond level players in India are one of the highest in Asia Pacific altogether. So um, it seems to be a very good time for people to jump into the game. And Ubisoft's aware of that. And uh, they decided that it would be a good idea to charge full price for a game that came out in 2015. And uh, well, as you can see, the consumer feedbacks uh, been uh, vociferous enough to, to make them back down from that. And instead of charging $60, they're, charging, they're going back to charging 40 for what is deemed to be, yeah, sorry, the Rainbow Six Siege uh, Advanced Edition. But what's interesting is when they made the announcement, everyone was at least like around the time the the discussion around Rainbow Six Siege was very positive because everyone was like, Ubisoft has nailed games as a service. They've pulled it off beautifully and stuff like that. And then they announced that obviously they're going to like, when you continue to add content, you want to have a new retail edition out for consumers to buy and a new digital one. They announced an increase in price, which, okay, fine, that annoys a few people, fair enough. They actually also introduced time-limited real money-only loot boxes 
so yeah like i don't know why they would want to throw out all the goodwill so soon like if you want to do these evil things like do it slowly and gradually and all i don't think it was worth doing both of them at the same time although uh, at retail in india we've not seen the year 2 gold edition which had the year 2 season pass come in so it'll be interesting to see if any of the year 3 stuff actually makes it here as of now none of it has been listed for pre order it also goes to show that considering uh, publishers are looking more as games as a service we could see more of these moves in in the near future we've already seen there we've already seen ubisoft bring in loot boxes to ghost recon wildlands and uh, seeing them well deciding to revisit uh, rainbow six siege and add microtransactions and try to increase the price uh is a bit of is a bit of a point of concern i mean fine i get it game development is expensive game development is hard running games as a service is tough but at the end of the day uh i mean consumers are going to have problems with this simply because i mean look at this look at the situation people are still the the whole situation with star wars battlefront 2 is still fresh in people's minds what made them think this was a good idea i frankly just because it's 3 months later doesn't mean it's a good idea to do it anyway so uh i think it is a big misstep in ubisoft's part and you know what it's also symptomatic of the industry at large notice what happens you have companies that roll out stuff fans uh fans hate on it and then they decide to roll it back we saw that with battlefront 2 we're seeing that with destiny 2 on almost a weekly basis where uh, they they end up rolling out uh where they end up rolling out an update the community complains they roll it back saying oh we're listening to fans uh, if you're really listening to fans you wouldn't have done this in the first place so to me it just seems like a situation where uh, you know publishers are going to try nickel and nickel and diming every cent they can out of you and uh, until people don't raise their voices it's going to continue happening so mad props to the community on this one for speaking up i think it's good that people are speaking about speaking about stuff like this cool then i think we can move to the games we've been playing this week i'll go first because i've been playing yakuza 0 more of it so what year a, is it no but finally yeah good we had know. a long weekend so i spent the whole of it pretty much playing yakuza 0 now i'm on chapter 8 i think so I did not even know initially that there's a character called Majima who you can also play as which I discovered in chapter 3 and that chapter 3 opening sequence as we were discussing before this podcast is phenomenal you know the customer is always king so really enjoying the game uh, the only thing is that like uh, what do you call that like there's that manual save thing which I've always complained about right so that came to my rescue once because there's this Mr Shakedown guy who keeps beating you up randomly So defeating him is really difficult. So he robbed all my cash like twice, and I, you know, remember that. Oh yes, this has a manual save system. So why not reload that save and save all my money? And that's what I did. And uh, I've noticed a couple of minor bugs though. Like once I was actually ready to take down this uh, shakedown fellow, I'd like up- upgraded my abilities and all. Uh, but then what happened was I went and started chasing him, and a bunch of goons just showed up randomly. and i dispatched them in like less than 30 seconds but then you know after those goons went away mr shakedown has also disappeared like i couldn't find him after that no that's that's like out of design it's kind of like how it's supposed to be an old school kind of like a boss character that roams around so like sometimes it's there sometimes it's not there it's supposed to surprise you technically hmm. so and once he was just like sleeping in one corner and i like just went to him and pressed x again and again and again and i stole some i don't know 50000 yen from him just yeah, like that that's another thing in the ability tree sometimes you can set an ability that he's asleep or he's uh, he doesn't notice you and weird stuff like that yeah so 
like I, I'm like confusing both games probably because I played both of them like very close and they were both long and really similar but there's something similar in Kiwami as well so maybe I'm confusing it yeah I don't think the ability tree has anything to do with Mr. No, Shakedown there's a, separate, in... there's a separate thing which was uh, that Bob the Clown or some nonsense yeah where you can upgrade something over there using these other CP which you get I think completion points so I don't think uh, Bob the Clown really is linked that much to CP because I didn't have to pay anything for like stuff I bought from him okay uh, but then then you know you can do th- stuff like upgrade your club and whatnot at that uh, place uh, the shrine where you exchange your cp but anyway point is that uh, i got too engrossed in the main story uh, and after a point i was getting really like annoyed at all these random goons and uh, bikers and other people who just attack you on the street it's really really irritating to keep facing them again but then i discovered after that that you can just throw money like 10000 yen on the street and get rid of them so there you go that's that's uh, probably a good thing um i i think i wasted too much time chasing the main story now i'm going to spend some time playing some of the mini games in in there and also like setting up my businesses uh, as both kiryu and uh, majima so kiryu's thing is to take down the five uh, kings of real estate whereas majima's thing is to build like a club business and take down the uh, whatever five star grand alliance or whatever it is so yeah i'm going to spend more time doing that and less time playing the main story uh, maybe this weekend and after that we'll probably get back to the main story but yeah so far totally enjoying it and uh, as of now i think it's completely worth the 10 on 10 rating that we gave the game so why don't you guys talk about you know some other bigger more recent games games involving hunting monsters maybe yeah, because that's pretty apps. much all i've been playing <laughs> on both ps4 and xbox one so how many hours <coughs> have you sunk into monster hunter world so far totally 28 across both platforms that's it yeah that's it come on mike what are you doing are it's you actually working it's not on a handheld man oh. if only it was on the nintendo switch trademark registered no but uh, been playing online on both platforms on the xbox one right now there's some online aspects of it which is still broken sadly and they haven't fixed them uh and like i said since you can switch between weapons and each of them play completely different from the other i've been trying out different weapons on both platforms so treating it as separate games and like obviously learning about a monster on one platform and makes it easier to take down on the other platform so it's been interesting like that uh still really like it although the online system matchmaking system feels very weirdly implemented i kind of feel like they were initially planning it to just be on ps4 and pc that's why they had to develop their own backend for online as opposed to using the consoles invite and join session because for a game which is like which has a such a nice co-op and online focus they've done a very weird job of letting you play with friends it takes a bit of getting used to each time and uh, yeah other than that really enjoying it still going to continue playing it and uh, yeah that's all i've been doing basically uh i've been ba- basically i've been playing a lot of uh, an unnamed game that i can't talk about it's an exploration title and it's a lot of fun and very generous with its achievements uh that aside i've been playing monster hunter world uh, a lot of it on the xbox it's quite a lot of fun uh yeah matchmaking still needs to be fixed it's a bit of a concern there uh but that aside is pretty good uh I mean, no surprise considering Capcom's good on all platforms. So, been playing that. What about Dragon Ball Fighters? Yeah, so that should come up uh, hopefully end of the week. It's, I still have to play through a bit more, so that's still work in progress. 
that's been really fun though like it easily the best dragon ball game and zeno was 2 was already a lot of fun but again uh it has this very weird online system for playing with friends you can't just like invite your friend and like play 1v1 you have to both join us the lobby together and then do things which is it seems weird because the developer arc system works usually has a much better system in play for playing with friends this seems like a a bandai namco studios decision because they are the ones who do the other zeno the other dragon ball games like xenoverse and they have the same weird online implementation over there but other than that like easily one of the best looking fighting games ever i'd say like obviously going for a different art direction than injustice 2 which goes for realism it just looks fantastic runs fantastic so a lot of fun even if you don't like dragon ball games very approachable for newcomers and cool. stuff just like tell that. me one thing uh, how good is the co-op like can you play uh, player versus player sitting on your couch or whatever next to each other uh, yeah yeah local stuff is there but like playing with friends i mean playing online against friends no i just yeah. wanted to know offline if you can play because you know i don't have ps plus and i don't even plan to get it anytime soon so I'd much so rather invite. So how are you going to play the Yakuza mini games against other people online? You know that's a thing, right? Uh, no, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I already like got bashed very badly at that shogi fake chess game, whatever it was. Don't say that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Because you know, like the problem is not with the game. The problem is that all pieces look the same, and you have to look, stare really hard at the screen to notice that tiny little L M G whatever character is there, and that's I'm really racist, not used man. to it. So yeah, you have these big Japanese characters yeah, on them. Yeah. I mean, if you can't read. them then yeah it's what's very, the point it's very difficult but like yeah these are these could be their own whole games like yeah, separately exactly could say that about a lot of things in yakuza 0 yeah so. that's true cool then that's all we have for this episode of transition and we will see you with another episode next week as always don't forget to follow us on facebook twitter youtube and instagram at cadis360 and if you have any questions comments or feedback do write to us at podcast@cadis360.com And the music for this episode comes by Magnus Solai Paulson, whose album PPP PPP is where the tracks are from. If you like our show, do rate us on iTunes. Your ratings, your reviews, your subscriptions—they help us a lot. And once again, from the entire Gadgets 360 team, thank you so much for listening.